3: and Welcome back to Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 on the FM dials. We take you until noon momentarily. We'll begin our first of uh, the local... Previews of the local major league teams. Course opening day coming up on Thursday. Momentarily, Brian Walton on the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, bottom of the hour or thereabouts, Carrie Miller from BleacherReport.com will get back into the college basketball. Let's start our number two. Play a little ball. Throw the ball around the infield with Brian Walton, the CardinalNation.com. Brian joins us. Brian Trenton, Ken, thank you for
2: coming on. How are you, Brian Walton? I'm excited about the Major League season starting in just three days from now.
3: Let the bells ring out and the banners fly. We feel the same way here uh, at the 10 to noon t- time slot on KXNO. And, Brian, look, the Cardinals with, the, um, with one fell swoop, I think, the, the acquisition of Nolan Arnotto, uh instantly propels them as the team to beat in the Central Division. Do you agree with that?
2: I do. And it was a, really a surprise move, as we talked about last time, it had been rumored for so long that Colorado was going to trade him, and they didn't want to trade him to the Dodgers his hometown team, but the Cardinals didn't have the money to pay Arnato, But then when the Rockies were willing to ante up $51 million to take one of the best players in baseball, even the Cardinals couldn't turn that down. So this
0: team comes in with expectations. Seemingly, there's always expectations with the organization, but you kind of look at their brethren inside the National League Central. The Reds took their shot last year. Now they're going back to selling off some parts. The Cubs do not look to be that team this year. The Brewers, maybe, I, I guess, and the Pirates are the Pirates. What I'm getting to is who scares you? Who Anything short of a division title certainly feels like a disappointment from my vantage point. Oh,
2: I think absolutely, Trent. And here's the other factor that you didn't mention, and that is, the strong teams in the east and the West right. mm-hmm. I mean most folks look at those Dodgers and Padres in the West for example mm-hmm. as perhaps the two best teams not only in national league but in baseball mm-hmm. so the odds that the central division are going to get two wild card teams like last year seem very very low. Now on the positive side as you said you know the, these teams in the central get to play one another uh, you know roughly two-thirds of the game so you know if the Cardinals can take care of business against these teams that aren't expected to be as good, They should be able to win the division here in 2021.
3: I'm with you. There is a little breaking news concerning the Central Division. Talks have broken off between the Cubs and Anthony Rizzo, Mm. all but ensuring that there won't be an agreement in place prior to opening day. So that's Brian, Baez, and Rizzo who will uh, play things out and then potentially, if nothing gets done, uh, become free agents. So, Brian, back to the Cardinals and back to the quest to win the division. Concern is what? I mean, I know that there's, a, there's some injuries in the starting rotation, at least to begin the year. Flaherty uh, has become the ace uh, of that staff and has been for some time. Is that the concern to start the year? Maybe a lack of depth in the starting rotation.
2: Well, certainly two of your five starters being out to start the year in Quang Young Kim and Miles Michaelis is a concern for any team. But the Cardinals' depth all along has been pitching, They've got two younger guys, uh, Daniel Ponce de Leon and John Gant, ready to step in. Kim is close to being back. John Moselak, the president of baseball ops, told us this morning that Kim will miss two to three turns through the rotation, and then he'll be able to return. So at that point in time, whichever one of Ponce de Leon and Gant isn't performing well will probably move back to the bullpen. Michaelis is a much more problematic situation. He's got some shoulder problems, and it's really unknown if and when, well, you know, when he's going to come back. He hasn't had a procedure yet, but that's always a possibility. And if so, you know, it might end his season.
0: Carlos Martinez, still only 29. Hmm. Feels like he's been with us for a lot longer than that. We know the talent, but injuries have completely derailed what would look to be such a promising career. Where are you on Martinez? What do you think he's going to give this year's Cardinals team?
2: Well, you know, coming into camp, Trent, we thought he's maybe going to be the number 5 starter and have to come in and compete for his job. And after all these injuries, Martinez is now the solid number 3 guy in the middle of the rotation. And we've seen his count. He's been an all-star twice. But the last two or three years, as you've seen, it's been disappointment after disappointment. Last year he was in the hospital uh, twice with COVID. So, you know, you kind of have to write that off. But it always seems like Carlos Martinez's biggest enemy is himself. He's not prepared. He's not focused. And the last time out against the Mets, he pitched six solid innings. And he's going to pitch a little tune-up, I think maybe three innings today, after Adam Wainwright. And then he'll be that number three starter to open the season. And we'll get the – the third game in Cincinnati on Sunday. Wainwright
3: will turn 40 years old at some point during the season. He was good last year, Brian. I thought that that he was um, exceeded expectations at, at his age, if, if you will. And I mean, he's had a terrific career. Uh, but what what's he got left, do you think? What's he shown in the spring that he will carry forward into the regular season?
2: Adam Wainwright's simply been the best pitcher on the Cardinals staff this spring, just as he was last season. And Adam himself admits Uh, two, two, two plus years ago, he thought he was done. He thought he was toast, but he managed to figure out how to change his routine in terms of training and preparation. He's uh, focused on his off speed pitches. He's not going to blow the fastball by anybody, but he's got to have other offerings other than that trademark curveball that is, that is so effective for him. And he's just the epitome of the canny veteran. And it just, you know, it looks like, you know, he's got at least one more year in him.
0: Let's go to the bullpen and uh overall well start with the simplest question who's gonna be the closer or is there going to be a singular closer? Is this gonna be a committee? Mm-hmm.
2: Maybe. Yeah, it's gonna be a committee. I mean, Jordan Hicks is the guy that they that had the job, they want him to seize the job. Uh, you know, he's the guy of course that can throw up to one oh five, but he's coming back off Tommy John surgery and missed last year because of uh, COVID concern type one diabetes. And so he's not going to pitch every day in Jordan Hicks. But you've got Giovanni Gallegos, who's a proven closer. Uh, Alex Reyes is a you know tremendous talent. He closed, we saw, in the playoffs. So they've got other options late in the game. But I don't think it's going to be one man that's going to chalk up 40 saves for the Cardinals this year.
3: Uh, the big lefty, Miller. Um, look, he's... He's okay, don't get me wrong, but when he was with the Yankees and with the, when he was with Cleveland, traded over to Cleveland from the Yankees, of course, even going back when he was uh, with Baltimore, he was so damn dominant. Can he get back to that, or is that asking a lot?
2: I, I think Ken ages caught up with Andrew Miller. Now, you know, they pitched him very sparingly this spring. He's going to throw this afternoon an inning today, I guess. But, you know, he's a guy who's in the last year of his multi-year contract. This is probably going to be his last big deal. I think he's a, a solid guy and he's another guy who's closed in the past, although I don't think we'll see it from him this year. He's a you know, he's a solid guy. He's gonna give them good innings, but I think the days of, you know, talking about Andrew Miller as one of the best relievers in baseball are, are past.
0: Let's go to the offense and I want to start with the youngster that continues to generate uh-huh. headlines, Dylan Carlson. He got the cup of coffee, got playoff experience, had a few hits in the playoffs a year ago. What are where are you with him? Is this They're going to roll him out there 155-plus times this year, and he's going to get every start in left field, or is it still a little bit more of a learning process for Carlson?
2: Well, it's kind of all of the above, really. I mean, it is going to be a learning process. This is his first full season. Uh, As folks may remember, he got called up uh, mid-summer last year, didn't do well, got sent back down, came back, and played very well to finish the year. But he's now the starting center fielder with Harrison Bader on the injured list with a, with a forearm injury. It's going to keep him out at least four to six weeks. So Carlson not only is going to have to deal with this first full season of playing in the major leagues, but he's going to have the responsibility of playing in center field. And that's, that's a big responsibility on a young player. He's certainly capable of it. But you know, the question is going to be how soon can he reach that potential that everyone is thinking he can reach with his back.
3: Brian Walton, thecardinalnation.com is our guest. All right, Brian, let's uh, talk about Matt Carpenter. They, they, they were able to get rid of Fowler. Uh, that was obviously uh, a good move on their part. Carpenter's got, what, one more year after this at, at a big, big price. Uh, what, what's he got left? What, what's Matt Carpenter's role on this team?
2: Well, Matt Carpenter's role is as a, a player off the bench, he'll spot start at third base, at second base, even at first base. Uh, he came to camp with the hopes that he could fight Tommy Edmond for the second base job that was vacated when Colton Wong left as a free agent and signed with Milwaukee. But Carpenter hasn't shown his ability to adapt as a hitter. He hits the ball hard, but he consistently hits the ball into the shift. Other teams put three infielders on the right side. And for whatever reason, as accomplished of a hitter as Matt Carpenter is, he just can't seem to get himself to hit the ball the other way where there's no defenders. And, you know, like the old line is, hit them where they ain't, not hit them where they are. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Matt Carpenter just had a dreadful season with a spring with the bat, but he's owed $20.5 million, mm. and that alone says he's going to make the roster and get a chance to straighten out. But Matt Carpenter won't be on the Cardinals in 2022 unless he can really, really turn things around.
3: Uh, I know he's yet to play a uh, a game uh, for the Redbirds, but does Arnado walk into the clubhouse, and Scott Rowland was really good. Is he the – Arnotto – Best third baseman to play in St. Louis?
2: Wow, that's that's a that's a tough call to make. I, I want to see him play a little. I mean, he's got eight gold gloves, and right. I think he's rolling at, what, six or seven. So I think he's already proven that. But, you know, the, the beauty of it is Nolan Arenado has seven, more, seven seasons to play as a Cardinal, and that should give him mm-hmm. time to, you know, earn his status among the greats uh, in team history.
3: Not saying statue worthy. I know <laughs> how they like to build statues for their grades, but this kid's a, well, you watched him play, Brian. He's as gifted defensively as anybody'd ever play the position, I think, and I don't think that's hyperbolic.
2: And he's not a bad hitter either. You know, there's always this question of the cores effect, but I think we're gonna see Nolan Arenado hit just fine uh for the St. Louis Cardinals. And you're right, he has he definitely has that potential. He's been installed as a number three hitter in the lineup. You know, the guy that's going to hit third in every first inning all season long. And the pressure is really on him to transform an offense that was, in fact, the weakness of the team last year.
0: So Mazeliak had a, uh, a press con- Zoom conference earlier today. And one thing that jumped out to me, he's hopeful that the whole team and the traveling party is going to get their COVID vaccination before they play the opening day. I, I guess I'm a little bit surprised and and shame on me because I didn't do the research about it, but I thought at this point most every major leaguer yeah. would have been vaccinated. Anything you can fill on the, on that side of things, Brian?
2: Yeah, I can. And uh, Mosevac not only said that he hopes that the Cardinals will be oh. vaccinated by opening day, he thinks that they may be ready to get their Johnson & Johnson shots tonight when they reach oh, Cincinnati, okay. which means they'll have a couple of days if there's any after effect before opening day. And that's their hope. It appears... They have a plan to, you know, have the vaccine ready. But on the broader question, I think there was hope that Major League Baseball would engineer some kind of a master plan for all of Mm -hmm. baseball to be vaccinated. But that isn't really what was able to happen. And, of course, there was concerns about prioritization Mm -hmm. and potential blowback. And so I think each team was sort of left to their own to, you know, come up with their plan. I know the Houston Astros are another team that are going to be vaccinated before opening day. And I suspect here in the next few days we'll see other teams doing it but they're kind of all on their own to get that accomplished
3: what have you heard as far as fans at bush uh to start the season
2: it's going to be like i think 25 to 28 percent so you know in the fifteen thousand, uh and of course those will all sell out if they haven't sold out already and the hope is of course that as things get better that the local officials will allow them to open up their their real hope is is to be full capacity by mid-season but you know we'll there's a lot of ground to be covered between now and then.
3: Uh, do you feel like I do that the Brewers are the biggest threat to the Cardinals in the division?
2: I think the Brewers certainly have the the, the greatest potential. You look at the you know the roster that they have, I think the Cubs, you know, the feeling is, is always the pitching is weak and the roster is getting old, but you can't ever count out the Cubs either. I think the Reds have taken a step backward. You know, they let go a number of key players and really didn't replace them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the Pirates are probably going to be fighting to avoid being the worst team in baseball.
3: I'm with you. It's going to be a hell of a race. Uh, I think it's the Brew Crew and the Cardinals are going to fight things out. Brian Walton, thecardinalnation.com. Brian, thank you. We'll talk to you a whole bunch during the regular season. Appreciate you doing this preview with us. Thank you, Brian. You got it, guys. Good to talk to you. Brian Walton, thecardinalnation.com. You like the Cardinals to win it? I do. I, I like their, them. What's win total is what? 85 and a half? Let me pull it up here. we got a little
0: time to breathe so we can take a look at some baseball numbers as we're wont to do and mm-hmm. I'm excited about that. What's the number that would make you
3: automatic bet? Eighty-four and a half To go over? To go over. Uh, well, it was 82 with the Brewers <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that caused me to, to fire. Um <sighs> Yeah. I think the Brewers are going to win the division. You do. I do. You're deep on this, Brewers. Team. I am. I love the outfield. Yelich isn't going to have
0: another bad year. It's 86 and a half at DraftKings. Is it? That's what they have it. Ooh, that's a,
3: that's a good number. I might be tempted to go a tick under. Tick under on because, that. Because, and, and Brian said it, like they play the central teams more, mm-hmm. but the East and the West, both of those. Both of those divisions are absolutely loaded. Who's the best team in the in the National League East? We're gonna do our we're gonna do our divisional picks Mm -hmm. Wednesday or Thursday.
0: Who's gonna win the East? Oh, some days it's the Braves I like. Some days I like the Mets, and then well, you Mm -hmm. know, is there that bounce back with Soto and everybody else with the Nationals and. You know, Hangover after winning the year before? I was really impressed with that Marlins team against uh-huh. the Cubs in the playoffs uh-huh. last year. I don't think they're going to win the division. Uh-huh. You can talk yourselves in circles in that division. I can't with the Phillies. Yeah. And then the one-two punch in the West, the Dodgers and the Padres. Brian just said it. These might be the best two teams
3: in baseball. Um, and it's not a stretch. Yankees. But yes, I don't I don't disagree with you. You could make the case yes. that the, the Dodgers for sure. Mm-hmm. The Padres
0: might be. The uh, Brewers still 82 and a half is their number. So the my bet didn't change. The <laughs> uh, juice moved a little bit. Though. Ah, there you go. Yep, you're, you're moving things. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So here are the updated division odds for the National League Central. This is from DraftKings. Cardinals a favorite, plus 105. You can get your Milwaukee Brewers. I got them at 3-1. to one. And that's what they still are, 3-1. Mm-hmm. to one. Reds at plus 330. No thanks. Nope, that's a waste of money. Cubs at four twenty-five. Is there is there value
3: in that number? Well, there is value in the number, but Trent, I don't like the fact that Rizzo didn't get done. They worked on this, and 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 I think both parties thought it was exceptionally close, and they couldn't get it done. Rizzo, Baez, and Bryant are all going to be free agents going into the year. That's not good. It still could click for this team, can it? Is there one more run left in them? Uh, I like Trevor Williams coming over from Pittsburgh. Mm -hmm. He wants to be there. Kimbrel is a disaster as a closer. Right. I hate the fact that he's going to start the year as the closer. Contreras, solid behind the plate. Rizzo, uh, solid. Uh, Bodie has had a really good Easy spring ass. to the extent that they thought they could send Horner down here, but that had to do with his eligibility mm. clock as well. Uh, Bryant has not been the same guy for the last couple of years. Baez is incredibly fun to watch. He had a bad year at the plate. Uh, Jock Peterson's hitting the cover on the ball again at spring training. Um, Jason Hayward has played been better the last couple of years can mm-hmm. he keep that going I'm not sure and then what's Jake Arietta is he going to be Cubs Arietta or Phillies Arietta I th- the bullpen is a mess
0: and you mentioned the closer but it's not just that you look through the, some of those names and it's it's a lot of yuck mm-hmm. there but they can swing it if it all comes together on base pretty much across the board has to be better they just got to get more guys on yeah. base and, and that's yeah. been a big problem with their offense the last couple of years Maybe it's just more name recognition than anything that I look at it and say yeah, maybe. Right. But at plus 425, if it was 525, I might take a a little nibble at that, but even at 425
3: I can't do it. I think there's two legitimate teams in that division. I mean legit not Dodgers, Padres, right. Legit. But two bigger threats to win the division than the Cubs. I look at them as if they are, at best, the third-best team in that division. And Cincinnati has gone backwards. I mean, Trevor Bauer, first and foremost, right? Mm-hmm. He's no longer there, and it sounds like they've got some guys. that They they were flirting with moving Luis Castillo uh, during the offseason. You don't want to do that. Castellanos hasn't worked out since nope. he's come over for the Cubs. Moustakas, Votto, what have they got left? I don't know. I think it's the... I think the Brewers at 3 to 1. Yeah. There's your value.
1: Yes,
0: yes. I I you have talked me into that one. We talked about the National League East and we're not going to do a preview of the East by any means, but No, we're going to pick it though. Here's the odds. The Braves are the favorite plus 120. It's too low. The Mets plus 140. The Nationals are 6 to 1. That is really tempting. Yeah. Yeah. The Phillies are 9 to 1. Mm-hmm. No shot. And then the Marlins are twenty five to one. They they fell that far, yeah. Huh? With all that young good pitching, um, Sixto Sanchez. That dude opened my eyes yeah, last year in the playoffs. Terrific. Now oh. look at Washington
3: starters: Scherzer, Strasburg, Corbin, and Lester. And I think Lester Lester's no longer a one or a two. He's a four or a five. Mm-hmm. But if that's your five, that's all right. Yeah, it's not bad.
0: And I like Joe Ross. Mm-hmm. It hasn't worked out for him, but I like him every time. I think I've lost a lot of
3: bets with Joe Ross. Who was the Pirates' best player offensively last year? Josh Bell? He's a national. Oh, yeah. And uh,
0: the third baseman, what, Brian? Turner.
3: Oh, no, he's a shortstop. Yep.
0: Yeah, that that is rough. That is rough. So, then the West. Two-team race. Two-team race. No, No more. Dodgers gotta lay two fifty, minus two fifty. And what do you what, what's the Padres? Two to one. That's a pretty big gap. And then you want to take a flyer. Nope. I don't. You get Andrew Downs' Giants at forty to one. Nope. D backs and Rockies both fifty to one. They have neither one of them have don't have a prayer. Light it on fire. Better chance than that. How about their win total too with the Dodgers? It's one hundred and what? Four? And so many times we see these win totals. When they get to this point, it is, don't do it. Right. Don't do it. We've seen it right. so many times in the past. And and I've made money in the futures market doing that because it doesn't work. I can't bet against this Dodgers team. Do you think at that number? At, it could be 103.5 and, and I wouldn't yeah. take the under.
3: They're just that What were that the Cubs talented. that one year? The Cubs were in triple. 98.5. I
1: thought they were
0: triple digits one year. There might have been a book that had them there. But yeah, coming off the World Series, right? I think, yeah. yeah. It It was high. And it was approaching 100. Mm-hmm. And they didn't get close, did they? Nope. Well, they like didn't. 92 or something like that.
3: We are close to letting you know what our keyword is of the uh-huh. day. Uh, This promotion continues this week. It's only happening four times a day, once in the 6 o'clock hour with the morning rush. We do ours coming up here, and then the Murph and Andy in the 2 o'clock, and the Fanatics in the 4 o'clock. Right now, your opportunity to double your stimulus. That's right. You can win $1,400 by texting the keyword BONUS to 200. 200 right now, that's BONUS. To 200, 200. You'll get a confirmation text and info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. Back to college basketball. Mike Woodson, thoughts. Didn't seem like the hire
0: that got me excited, but no. I'm not an Indiana alum. We do have uh, one part of our Rolodex, right? With the yep. Packers. Yep. And Dave Sinikin. He's an alum. Yep. He, uh, Woodson, who is he bringing on to recruit? Is, but it's not that Mata. Is this going to be a guy that is going to be out there grinding and sitting no. in living rooms? And I and, think
3: Mata's a next-as-a-nose guy, but Mata delegated a ton in his last stop. Right. I don't know. Um, they it keep going odd. back to the Bobby Knight, you know, back to a foregone era. Mm-hmm. That's a long time ago. But look, the guy who had success in Atlanta, mild success in New York, which is a, tough to do. It is, and an awful franchise. Head coaching experience, but it did seem like
0: a surprise. Why don't you wait for Scott Drew to finish up the season
3: until you know? Oh, you've you found out. Yeah. You've you back channeled that one. Mm-hmm. You've asked if there's an interest there. Um, if you're Scott Drew, why don't you want that job? You're an Indiana guy. Yeah. He's got his team and he's going to be playing for a national championship. That's why. I think that is why. Miller and Condon more basketball conversation of the college va- variety when we come back on 1460 KX and Owen 106. One for
1: podcasting.
3: Trent Condon here again for the Urology Center of Iowa. Well, the big
0: bracket is here, but that doesn't mean you can't find sports on TV to watch after your vasectomy. We got baseball's opening day right around the corner. How about if you're a golf fan, that beautiful tournament in Augusta and The Urology Center of Iowa is taking appointments right now for vasectomies. Give them a call, 515-400-3550, or schedule online at iowauro.com. Vasectomies with the Urology Center of Iowa.
3: Instagram or Facebook.
1: You can see it. Picture it. The building you've always wanted. An expansion of your existing business. A new retail center where your growth really begins to take off. You've got the vision, but now What? Now you connect with Graphite Construction Group. Formerly Roshan Corporation of Iowa, Graphite Construction Group is the partner you want to match your vision. From the moment you first connect to long after the build is complete, nobody does it better than Graphite Construction Group. See why at GraphiteGr Flash plunge. Ken Miller, Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now
2: on 106.3 FM.
3: This is KXNO. All right, Miller Condon, welcome back. Are we Anthony Rizzo meeting with the media, is putting this on the Cubs. Oh, really? Yeah, he says he believes he was signable, but he's now looking at uh, is this is his last year as a Cub. Now they've got a couple of days. This mm-hmm. might be negotiations. I get that. But if he walks, this is the face of this baseball team. There's no doubt. There is no doubt. And if the face walks out and Chris Bryant follows him out, or maybe he'll be gone at the trade deadline, and Javier Baez, an incredible fan favorite. End of an era. It may well be. Let's get Kerry Miller in here. We've got some games coming up tonight. Two of them tonight, two of them tomorrow. BleacherReport.com. Uh, Kerry, Trenton, Ken, thanks for coming on. Appreciate it. Uh, we're split. You get, to, you get to break the tie. I love the format i love the uh the the no overlap on saturday likewise on sunday yes there could have been a little bit uh, quicker turnaround uh to get to from the gonzaga game to the michigan game there seemed that hour and 15 minute delay was awkward but we get two games tonight we get two games tomorrow and i love it and Trent hates it and what say you
1: (laughs) i don't i don't hate it uh i I don't love it because i'm on the east coast and now i got to. We got a 10 p.m. tip-off on a Monday night, and then again on Tuesday night, I got to be up and right on them both. So that's no fun, but um, I, I like the standalone format. I liked wh- how they did it with the first four. Um, you know, got, got everybody to actually watch that's most true. of those four yep. games as opposed to usually the Tuesday and Wednesday, nobody really cares. So I think that was fun, but um, I, I think if they could – have the sweet 16 on Thursday and Friday and the elite 8 on Saturday and Sunday that'd be
0: great. Yeah, flip-flop it that way this. That would work out a little bit later. It just it really occurred to me as we finally get the sweet 16 going. It's a Saturday and then watching the first half of Oregon State Loyola that was That was bad basketball. I I understand both these teams can play some defense. That was bad basketball. And normally in the Sweet 16, you could be getting ready for another tip-off starting, what, 20, 30 minutes later. That wasn't the case there. Maybe that's what put me in such an angry mood. But that aside, Oregon State, I saw this team this year. They weren't (laughs) good. How does this happen? We see teams that go on a run, but ultimately it ends. A team that is this pedestrian, this average, is now playing for a shot in the Final Four today.
1: Yeah, they were not good as generous for what that team was. I mean, that was you know the only time we even tangentially talked about Oregon State in the NCAA tournament. Like up until the end of the Pac-12 tournament, was when we were talking about USC and Oregon suffering bad, terrible losses to <laughs> Oregon State. Like it made no sense that they were even the the five seed in the Pac-12 tournament. They only got a bye because Arizona sat that tournament out. Right. Uh, I mean that team was not good, um, and now just all of a sudden their three point defense, which you know is a dumb luck stat for the most part, has just been unbelievable. Opponents are shooting twenty three percent against them. They threw that you know kind of muck it up zone at Loyola Chicago yesterday, threw off the Ramblers' offense entirely. Um, yeah, you know, they weren't able to get those backdoor cuts like they usually do. Um, so I think they just. You know, Wayne Tinkle kind of figured something out. Maybe he watched some of the Syracuse games and realized that teams have trouble running zone offense in the tournament, and maybe we'll see that again uh, tonight uh, against Houston.
3: You know that that is a guy that's easy to root for, Tinkle. Mm-hmm. I mean that that that's a that's a pretty good story, Kerry. I want to know how everybody missed on the Pac-12. I mean, everybody. If 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 it's not twenty minutes before ten where you're when you're listening to this right now, meaning you're not out west maybe you had an indicator that there's might, must be, there might be something to this conference that they beat each other up every single night, but we thought that about the Big Ten, and the Big Ten's down to one team in Michigan. How did everybody miss on the Pac-12?
1: I, I really don't think it's a, a case of missing. I think it's just a case of the tournament is random. Um, you know, USC, Oregon, they were deserved six and seven seeds. Um, it's not like they were... Kind of underappreciated um, teams like a like an LSU out of the SEC is an eight that kind of felt like a team that could win it all if they got through the second round. I mean that you know I, I thought Oregon was going to be the best team out of the Pac-12. I'm not horribly surprised that USC now looks like the best team uh, out of that conference, but like you know USC and Oregon State were nothing two weeks ago, and now just all of a sudden they're they can't lose. <laughs> it's just the the craziness of the tournament. Um, you know. Nick Cronin, out of nowhere, is a good coach yeah. in, the, in March. Uh, that's, that's probably the weirdest thing that's happened thus far this month. <laughs> it,
0: it is, and that was always the knock against him at Cincinnati. Well, he maybe can win a game, but that's about it when he got to the tournament. And here he is now in the Elite Eight. How's Michigan done this? Going against the Florida State team I thought was going to be a bad matchup for them with the length and the small guards of Michigan. You lose Isaiah Livers, I think their most complete basketball player and here they are with a chance to get back to the final four. How do they do it? And coupled with the job Juan Howard, with the help of Phil Martelli over on the bench, what a job he has done. <laughs>
1: yeah, I mean, it certainly it all starts with their interior defense. It has all season. You know, they lost livers, that hurt. They didn't lose Hunter Dickinson. So they can mm-hmm. still defend. Uh, you know, Franz Wagner, a, a six foot nine stretch four, who's, you know, probably the best. Uh, turnover forcer on that defense because of his length uh, along the perimeter. So what they do on defense is just so tough. And now what's kept them going is Brandon Johns Jr. coming in and, you know, scoring just as well as Isaiah Livers did. I mean, that was, nobody saw that coming. You know, we thought that the defense would still be great, but they'd probably take a step back on offense uh, without Livers, their best three-point shooter. Uh, But John said I think, 14 points yesterday. He's averaging over double digits in the tournament, only had one game with 10 points all season long before this. So for him to really step into that role, no problem whatsoever, was really surprising. Um, And I guess it it is really a testament to John Howard and Phil Martelli and that whole staff that they can just plug and play a guy who, replacing what, really could have been the Big Ten player of the year if it wasn't for you know, Luca Garza and Io DeSumo.
3: Yeah, two pretty big names. Uh, no doubt about it. Kerry Miller, Bleacher Report. Kerry, I want to look forward to tomorrow. It's the early game tomorrow, which doesn't make a lot of sense time-wise, but other than the fact that Michigan will bring eyeballs, and I, I do get that, but it's 10 o'clock in Ann Arbor locally. It's 4 o'clock in Spokane locally. Uh, when the games tip off, you'd like to think that they I mean, might have changed those around, but we're not going to see that. So help me out with USC and, and, and Gonzaga. I think that this poses the biggest threat to the Zags until they, I, I, well, I'll say inevitably, face Baylor. Uh, Gonzaga, uh, I mean, obviously we know what they're at, where they're historically. Kispert did not have a good game by his standards yesterday, picked it up a little bit uh, in the final 10 minutes of the game, but Timmy was unbelievable. So I think that we're on the cusp of a edge-of-your-seat determined inside the final couple of minutes with USC and the Zags tomorrow. Do you see it that way, or do you think the Zags will flex on uh, on uh, USC as they have on everybody?
1: I, I do think this is the – of the four picks, and I, I tweeted this last night, and Zag is the best team in the country, no question about it. But of the four Elite Eight games, this is really the toughest one to pick um, because – the way that USC can defend, um, you know, Gonzaga just in a lethal two point offense, USC is the number one, two point defense, right. And, you know, Gonzaga wants to run uh, very, you know, kind of Hank gathers, Loyola Marymount type of team. One of the fastest offensive teams in the country. And USC really wants to slow it down on defense It is really one of the most intriguing, you know, unstoppable force, immovable object matchups that I can remember seeing. Um, and if, if Evan Mobley has his way against Drew Timmy, if if Jalen Suggs and Corey Kispert play like they did against Creighton yesterday, USC could absolutely win that game. And I think even if Gonzaga gives it everything they've got, you know, has their normal 85 to 90 point performance, uh, USC is going to be able to hang with them because they have been just on fire these last three rounds.
3: Who saw White and Edie's game yesterday coming, right? I mean, 20 apiece. And the team that played them
0: toughest for at least a half, the Drake Bulldogs. It's true, Trent. It's <laughs> absolutely to do. think about, they too. They played them tougher than anybody yes, so far. Yes, and that's where we uh-huh. are. You know, it feels at times inevitable. We're going to get what we thought we were going to get in the non-conference, Gonzaga-Baylor. That game was taken mm-hmm. off. For a long time, they were number 1 and 2, and it wasn't close between them and everybody else. Michigan got in the conversation for a while, but then they had their pause regardless. If we get to that point, my one pause would be, can Baylor score enough to keep up with the Zags? Can, as good as the defense has been for Baylor, and it's been excellent, I still have question marks about them offensively in a, a game that you're probably going to have to score, what, 80-plus to beat Gonzaga at the very least. Can Baylor do that in your mind?
1: I, I think they can just because they're so good shooting the three. I think they're now second or third in the nation, three-point percentage after that game against Villanova, but... I think that's how you score against Gonzaga. Certainly, BYU showed that. Mm-hmm. Creighton could have showed if they hadn't just missed all their open shots yesterday. <laughs> um, but yeah, the three pointer is how you beat Gonzaga with your offense. My question with Baylor is can they do anything on defense to slow down, uh, you know, Drew Timmy, Jalen Suggs, that, that two point attack? Mm-hmm. If they're getting the steals, if Baylor's forcing turnovers, they're very good defensively. But if, you, if they force them into a half court game, if they're able to get into the paint, they're vulnerable. Um, I think that, really, in that regard, USC and assuming uh, Gonzaga would run into Michigan in the Final Four, I think those two teams are much more equipped to slow down Gonzaga's offense. But I, I do think Baylor could win a type of ninety to eighty-five game with Gonzaga.
3: Yeah, to your point, they. Uh... I think they stole the ball, eight of them, against Villanova, so they were really good defensively. They're playing their best defense since they've come out of their COVID pause uh, right now. So, uh, Houston tonight, uh, Oregon State, um, Well, which of the two games tonight is going to be the most entertaining? Because I think they could both get away. I really do. Do you have one that you think is going to be better than the other?
1: Yeah, I kind of think they're both going to be a little ugly. Uh, If if Moses Moody, J.D. Note, and Justin Smith all show up for Arkansas, they're a very, very tough team to beat. Uh, they can really get after you with their offense. But, you know, Baylor's just so tough, and mm-hmm. Oregon State trying to score on Houston's defense could be a, a real adventure. Uh, I think that if that's a close game, it's going to be kind of ugly, just like the uh, the Loyola-Oregon State game was. Mm-hmm. So I, I think Baylor-Arkansas will be the more – entertaining the more aesthetically pleasing certainly game but i would not be surprised if both games tonight are decided by double digits
3: hmm. indiana has its coach i guess the big job that's still out there is texas uh, a lot of folks pointing to the fact that uh, chris beard's buyout is cut in half if they wait till the first of april when it comes to uh, going to another big 12 school is beard the guy are they waiting for that reason are you hearing anything about texas we'll let you go carrie
1: yeah, I, I really have no clue with coaching carousel stuff, especially this year. It's been so so much going on with the the transfer portal and all the code. I it's like, I, I wish we could put a moratorium on this stuff until the end of the tournament. <laughs> I just want to focus on the game. i yeah. not worried about any of that. But, um, yeah, I, I do think certainly if Chris Beard goes to Texas, they'll be getting that defensive-minded coach that they thought they were getting in Shaka Smart, mm. and maybe it works out better for them because obviously – the job that Chris Beard did in his just one year at Arkansas Little Rock and then went to Texas Tech immediately turned them into a contender. I mean, that guy can coach like no other. So if he goes there, Texas will be back, so to speak.
3: <laughs> Indeed. Rather have them back in the uh, in the winter months as opposed to the fall. Uh, Kerry Miller, <laughs> BleacherReport.com. Kerry, thank you. We'll talk in the weeks ahead. Appreciate you coming on, as always.
1: You got it. Take care.
3: Good to talk to you. Kerry Miller, BleacherReport.com. Covers uh, for Bleacher Report college basketball and college football. It's a
0: good nugget there on the I, – I didn't realize it was the first that the buy-down went down. So yeah, I
3: think first or second, early Thursday. April.
0: We'll, we'll get our answer on that. Yeah. If they, mean you, if they hire somebody today or tomorrow, they'll right. know. But
3: um, I kind of hope he stays in Lubbock. I don't know why. He's going to stay in the conference. He's going to be a monster at Texas. Oh, will he ever be?
0: I also thought Shaka was going to be a monster, Did though, You
3: too. Yeah.
0: And good, not great. Not
3: good enough for Texas. No.
0: No, not at all. He never won a, an NCAA tournament game. I mean, all the hand-wringing we have here about Frey <laughs> McCaffrey, he's won four NCAA tournament games at Iowa.
3: Right. Shaka never won a game at Texas. Do you know what's funny? Not funny. Uh, do you know what I, said? what I noticed this weekend? It seemed like the national media... Caught up with the news of Fran McCaffrey's extension. Oh yeah, late like t- towards this weekend sometime. Oh really? Certainly after they got beat the way they did by Oregon. Then the the chatter picked up a little bit on the uh, on the McCaffrey extension nationally. We'll come back, finish things up. Trent's got a couple of games tonight. I'm sure he's got at least one opinion. We'll find out when we come back. Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station 1460 KXNO. And one of
2: this is KXNO.
3: 68
0: teams started the tournament. Only the best have
3: survived. DraftKings Sportsbook, America's
0: top-rated sportsbook app, is putting new customers in the center of the action. Bet $1 on any tournament game. If your team wins, you win $100.
3: It's that simple. Turning $1 into $100 is 100 to 1 odds. Pick any college basketball team that's still in the hunt for your shot at winning $100. All it takes is a $1 bet and that team winning their next game.
0: There's no better way to put your college basketball knowledge to the test than to put your money where your mouth is with DraftKings Sportsbook. Don't worry if college basketball isn't for you. DraftKings Sportsbook offers daily odds boosts. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code KXNO when you sign up to turn $1 into $1. $100 $100 if the college basketball team of your choosing pulls off the victory. That's code KXNO for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Iowa only, new customers only, restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call
1: ortho. Call today.
0: Trek Codden here to let you know my good friends at Renters Warehouse are in heavy demand right now in Des Moines for three reasons. One, the rental market is booming. People rent during uncertain times. And homes are getting leased fast. Two, with professional video marketing and self-showing technology, Renters Warehouse meets all healthy and safety guidelines for our social distancing world. And three, with regulations changing so quickly, more people are learning that using an experienced property manager is far less stressful than trying to do everything yourself. Now is not the time to DIY or mess with inexperienced property managers. For a low, flat monthly fee, Renters Warehouse will take the grunt work off your plate with no upfront fees and no paperwork or 3 a.m. maintenance calls. Plus, they can help you turn your part-time rental into a full-time cash flow machine. And if you're a real estate agent, they're offering cash payments for referrals. Go to renterswarehouse.com to book your free home rental price analysis today. Or call 515-528-4429. That's 515-528-4429. Renner's Warehouse, Des Moines. You'll always in West Des Moines.
3: Hi, Millie Condon. Welcome back. Trent's picks momentarily. Just real quick on this. Happened after we got off work on Friday. The big trade. I mean, a busy afternoon in the NFL uh, pursuant to the draft, which I think is a month away today. Mm-hmm. Niners moving up to three. Do you know what the rumor is? Who they're grabbing when they move up to three? Mac Jones. And Mac I am Jones. so thankful.
0: Get that guy off the board. I don't want to have What do
3: John spend? Lynch and Kyle Shanahan see the Trent content? <laughs> No, I, I I would guess
0: that yes, they probably would win a lot of arguments about football IQ. They can have,
3: they can have that dude all they want. Do you think that's who they're moving up to get? Here's that's where thing. everything's pointing at, right? Well, tomorrow, Justin Fields and Mac Jones have their pro day. Mm-hmm. Where are Lynch and Shanahan going to be? Alabama watching Mac Jones. Wow. Now, it could be a smokescreen as everybody's <laughs> lying at this time of year when it comes to the NFL, but
0: you give me a choice between those two guys for my NFL franchise, it's Justin Fields and it is not close because he's a threat to run the ball and Mac Jones Even can't. take that away Take away the rutting. And I, Mac Jones, really accurate quarterback. He's
3: a really be, accurate quarterback. With the
0: best offensive line in college football. Yeah, but
3: the, the, the Buckeyes weren't far behind us. No, you're talking about Ohio State it's, here, after no, all. That's a good point. Right. <laughs> Checkmate. You got yeah. me there. All right, what's uh, what are you going to help our audience as far as games tonight? Did you see the biggest bet so far at BetMGM is 300000 Houston minus. But the public is all over... Uh, Oregon State, 72% of the money's on Oregon State plus the number. My favorite is Houston. I'm
0: laying it with the Cougs. Okay. I, I
3: just think that
0: both the three-point shooting for Oregon State has been through the roof and what Kerry told us. Their three-point defense, which doesn't really have a lot to do with them, it's been ridiculously good here over the last month. I think that normalizes here. And I think Houston runs away and we got a blowout. We're waiting for the second one to tip. I like Arkansas a lot do more you. than you in this. I'm going to grab the points. Houston's my favorite, but my, yeah, I'm going to jump aboard with the hogs and uh, might be singing a little pig suey here this evening. Well, if I
3: was to, if I was to, I would put together a two teamer. I'd lay the points with Baylor and take the points tomorrow with USC. Oh, you're, you're going to go back to back days. I see where you're going. Fire, right. yep. Uh, bail, lay, lay with Baylor, grab them uh, with USC. I think the Trojans are going to give the Zags all they want tomorrow. I really do. I think if you're holding a Gonzaga ticket, this is the most nervous you will be. You Start buying off it already? Mm-hmm. You
0: got a six-to-one ticket over there for I our do, TV show.
3: I do. All right. Uh, Murph and Annie will slide in here in just an hour and five minutes, and the Fanatics will be here at 3. Morning Rush kicks off Tuesday's local programming at 6 a.m. We're Miller and Condon. You can hear us 10 to noon, Monday through Friday, on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KX and 106.3 FM.